You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants, featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazoni, part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. Yeah, the Giants went uh, what five and one this week. That's that's weird. What does that even mean? Oh, we already did this intro. Sorry, everyone. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the the, the Giants uh, had a great week, Doug. How are you feeling about that? I, I feel good about it, and also a little confused. Like, what do, what do I do with myself? How do I how do what do I do with my brand? Where I'm all negative about them, <laughs> and I you know they go five and one. You can't complain about that. Uh, it's 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 tough for us. I wish the Giants would consider us when they when they're <laughs> playing their games. Don't worry, Doug. They're still twenty two and twenty four, so there's still okay. Plenty of reason yeah. to be negative, yes. <laughs> but they have risen to to third place in the division. They're ahead of the Padres and now ahead of the Rockies by three and a half games. Remember, they were they were only a half a game ahead heading into uh, the Phillies and Marlins series this week. My big thing from this week so far, and you didn't ask, but I'm telling you anyway, is that I can no longer bridge the delay in the MLB at bat. So when I am washing dishes uh, and trying to keep track of the game, which I used to do when I had an iPad with, I would just put the iPad, you know, in front of me, but I don't have one anymore. And I don't want to put the phone there. It's too small. So I've been listening to the radio and it's like two minutes behind. It's like a preposterous amount of time behind the actual broadcast. I don't know what's wrong with the app. So I just switched to the Spanish broadcast. I, I know Pelota. I know I know how to count to maybe like Trenta. So, like I, they, they say the names. Uh, I can kind of get an idea of what's going on there. Uh, I hope I'm making my, my Spanish teachers, Senora Huerta and Senora Meldi, proud. Doug, I got to tell you a quick aside about my Spanish teacher from high school. I don't know if he's still with us. I, I'm sure he's not listening, so I feel okay telling the story. But the the story was, you know, did you ever have that high school teacher where there was like some myth or story surrounding them? Maybe before they became a teacher, people knew stuff about them or something they did as a teacher, like just the thing that carried around with them that got passed along. Did you have one of those? Yes. Yes. <laughs> he wasn't, he actually wasn't my teacher. But there was a teacher like that who, uh, fun fact, ended up being fired for uh, abusing students. Ah, no, yeah. nothing. Was that the story then? <laughs> there were kind of rumors when I was there. He was also the football coach for a while. And uh, I was like, OK. And then I forgot about it. And then uh, just last year, the year before, a student who was in my year sued him for being super creepy and to like sued the district and stuff. And it was a whole big, uh, there was a, like a big story about it. And I was like, okay, I kind of remember her. Uh, that's sad. That also makes the really creepy, weird photo of them in the yearbook. Cause we had a yearbook Uh-oh. category for students. That was most likely, most likely to date a teacher was one of our oh. yearbook awards. Oh my. And there, was, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there was a photo of the two of them. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So a lot of pieces fell into place. I was not expecting this segment to go in this direction. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta be honest. Uh, my story was simply that, that he was in a band before he was a teacher. 
and he was scuffling. The band was scuffling and he quit the band a week before is how I heard the story. But obviously years later, I've processed it like a short time before. It's probably more likely this band hit it big or signed a contract or whatever. Uh, that's when he left. And the band was Blue Oyster Cult. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that that's the story that carried around. It's like, ah, he, he got out right before it got good for them. And now he's teaching <laughs> us Spanish. So, uh, but any in any case, uh, the, the broadcasters, Erwin Higueros, Tito Fuentes, uh, I think there's a third guy. And I think it, they, I've not yet tuned in when they've reintroduced themselves. But uh, the I Giants. Think, I think the third guy is, Mar- is Marvin Bernard, is what they've Okay, said. it's Marvin Bernard, which Marvin Bernard then sounds different from how I imagined how he ever sounded, <laughs> or I don't remember how he sounded. And that's fine. But uh, it, it's, it's a great experience. For one thing, it's contemporaneous with the, the game. I think it's easy for us to forget that the Giants broadcast team also includes a Spanish crew that the the team does not hide. But you know what I mean? Like they obviously don't get the same just by audience size, you know, Kruk and Kipe and John Miller and Dave Fleming, like they get all the headlines. But the Giants have a great Spanish team and uh, uh, me with my my uh, barely understanding Spanish, but wanting desperately to listen to a baseball game as it's happening. It's it's been a great experience. So I just had to point that out. It really helped that the Giants did a lot of exciting things this week. <laughs> we should talk about some of them. Where where I'm holding us back from the headline. Patrick Bailey. The Giants basically just threw Joey Bart in the trash, and they said, "Here's a new prospect, shiny and better." And they called him up. So. Uh, I put this in the rundown, Doug, and I'm going to do the British version. The future is now, in it. Future's here. Ain't it, good? Yeah. Yeah. Do, do the bit, of, bit of the transition happening here. Yeah. You wouldn't have caught a chance to see Patrick Bailey play yet in Sacramento. I've, I've been to one Rivercats game this year, and he did not catch. I don't remember if he was on the roster yet or not. Uh, but no, he was up and he was up and out in like a flash. It was... Uh, it was a somewhat surprisingly fast move for him, which, uh, I mean, it comes from, you know, Joey Bart has looked better defensively, but he's still kind of struggling on offense. And Generous. that uh, Generous. Struggling. Generous. That was generous. And, uh, <laughs> and, Pat, and Patrick Bailey is, you know, supposed to be a defensive wizard, basically, um, which we've seen. Uh, we saw the, the Logan Webb game where he called a great game. Obviously, the team lost, but... If you give up one run, I don't think that's on the pitcher, the catcher. Uh, and then, you know, he did a, a good job uh, yesterday, too, uh, when they sealed the win against the Marlins. So, you know, they just kind of looked at Bart like, yeah, maybe you're hurt now. And they just threw him on the IL and uh, was, you know, what to see what Patrick Bailey could do. Uh, Joey, your groin is looking a little strained. No, it isn't. It's looking a little strained. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, he's both stealing strikes and stealing hearts is fair to say exactly. about Patrick Bailey. But uh, he comes in, he immediately looks like, oh, this guy is is comfortable behind the plate. His home run yesterday, uh, right-handed, 
He's a switch hitting catcher. If, you, if you're just listening to us for Giants news, thank you so much. Switch hitting catcher, hard to come by. He's been switch hitting since he's been what, like 10 years old, 11 years old. And and so he is not a great right-handed hitter by all scouting measures, but he did say of that home run, I think that's the best swing I've ever had as a right-hander. <laughs> Which, uh, and he almost had a second home run at the in the eighth inning, I think. Of, of yesterday's game as well. Same, I was on a slider, Steve Okert. Great time to hit a home run if you're a right-handed batter. Is Steve Steve Okert floating a slider in there. Um, but offensively, I think it's exactly what you're saying. We're, we're focusing on the defense here. And if he can hit a little bit, if he can have some command of the strike zone, some, some great swing decisions, I think the Giants are looking for that. Very minor. We've talked about this so many times already. The Giants are looking for if it's a 1% improvement, we're going to take it. If that's all we can get, that's what we'll take. Uh, but also, I think this is what I was asking about Casey Schmidt the other other day. Uh, and I'm not going to say it's a desperation, but it definitely seems like doesn't it seem like they're saying, let's take what is good right now and let's start putting it forward. Let's show people we actually can do some stuff with our player development. I mean, one problem the Giants have had, and I think we've talked about this, is that there wasn't a lot to get excited about on the field. And so the Giants are like, you know, if we can catch lightning in a bottle, and they already did with Schmidt, and now they're like, well, let's try it again. And people can get excited about that. People will, people are excited about Bailey and Schmidt. And so it's, and that's it. Like, in that sense, it's it's good for, for everyone, you know? Obviously, the team is winning, and it's good for the fans. Are they going to keep up their level of production forever? Yes, I think so. I think uh-huh. Casey Schmidt will hit 400 this year and for the rest of his career. And I think uh, Patrick Bailey will hit a homer in half his games. Yeah. 50% of Casey Schmidt's games will continue to be multi-hit games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just a total win-win for everyone. You know who's not enjoying this this past couple of weeks, though, Doug, are the children of these players. As we've seen, both the Schmidt baby <laughs> and the Bailey baby burst into tears as their family got excited for the home runs that their, their, their players hit. Okay. So then that brings me into my other thing. I, I understand it's human nature. And most of us who are listening to podcasts about baseball, reading articles about baseball or sports junkies, we recognize seeing executives in desperation mode and throwing anything at the wall that sticks. I hope though, you're acknowledging the individual at the center of that. Barnes ID is an insurance guy, effectively. <laughs> he is a risk manager. So the idea that he's just willy-nilly thrown out, you know, just doing anything to save his job or look good or whatever, if that's in there, it's not going to outweigh the risk assessment. Like, in other words, I think he's picking the guys he thinks are most likely to do well right now, even if the data doesn't necessarily back up these guys are ready. But I will add the caveat. How, how would he be doing that? Here's the thing we haven't really thought about or really haven't dug into because the Giants overall are there's a lot more negative or have been negatives that outweigh the positives. It's entirely possible the Giants model for competition being based around how the rules were, you know, last year that it took an adjustment period for this year, right? With the the shift and and the pitch clock and all that stuff. And I think the pitch clock cuts both ways. And maybe we've even talked about this. You know, the Michael Confortos of the world, the Mitch Hanegers of the world, their success, their heyday was when guys could just step out of the box 
at any time where they had time in be- a lot more time in between pitches to run through the list of what could he throw me in the situation or I got to get my energy back up to to get ready for the swing or this or that. And so maybe the Giants have taken their mo- this is just all speculation. But I'm because I'm just trying to wonder why is it does it feel like it's turning on a dime? And maybe you can correct me, Doug, if you don't agree with that. But it could just be like, oh, Casey Schmidt and Patrick Bailey both defensively work at the major league level already. We can assess that, see that very clearly. And their pattern of play or their style of play is actually fitting pace-wise and skill-wise with what's successful across the league right now, given the new rules. I mean, it's it's possible. Like I, um, I would say we obviously don't have enough information on Bailey to really assess him offensively. Um, and it, but so like we couldn't know what the long term is going to hold. But just watching Schmidt, which we have, you know, he's he is ready. Um, he's ready to hit. He's ready with the new rules. And the other thing is, both of these guys have been playing with these rules for a couple of years now in the minors. Um, like the pitch clock has been around for a while in the minors. So anyone who was a minor leaguer last year, year before, is is ready for it. Um, you know, they're used to it. So, I mean, that could also be the Giants taking the advantage to just throw them in against people, against maybe major league pitchers who are hurrying up a little bit, who but who don't have that same internal clock. Um, like Jesus Lazardo perhaps gets to 10 seconds, like, oh, I got to get on the mound. Where, you know, a minor league pitcher, a minor league hitter, is like, all right, I'm already at the right spot um, at 10 seconds before, you know, at 10 seconds since the last pitch or before the next pitch or whatever it is. So I I think that's, it it is possible that the, they're more ready with the new rules. And so that could be accelerating their timeline a little bit and helping their, their early success. I want to point out this thing because you said it about Casey Schmidt, because I saw some chatter at the end of yesterday uh, that, Casey Schmidt, up. Oh, he's hitting the ball a lot, but he's not walking. And that's concerning because that's the sign of plate discipline. And then, of course, some fellow old McCovey Chronicles people point out, wasn't it? Didn't it take Buster Posey a long time before he drew his, his first walk? And then it's like, oh, yeah, Buster Posey drew his first major league walk in his. Let's see. That's eight in his 15th game. And Casey Schmidt has played fewer than 15 games. He's played 12 games now. So is Casey Schmidt Buster Posey? We already established this, yes. So I don't think <laughs> um, we need to say anything. I will, I, yeah. I will say the thing about Schmidt is it's pretty easy to be like, oh, you know, he's a lot of his balls are falling for hits. He's not walking. So it's, it's always easy to be down on rookies and to find a reason. But I will say this for him. He is not striking out a whole lot. 16% strikeout rate coming into today. And if you look at the kind of stat cast, his expected WOBA, right? Because, you know, they used WOBA or W-O-B-A as uh, like the one number that sort of defines you. They're, they're best like, here's one number of whether a guy's good or not. Yeah. Um, and, and so what he's at right now is 417. It's on the scale of on base percentage. 417 is obviously great on base percentage. It's expecting some regression, but it's like the way he's hit so far it should be at 377, which is still a very good hitter. So, I mean, yes. he's doing the things you need to do to, to be successful. No, he's not walking yet, 
I'm sure there will be some walks that come that come in time, but he's not striking out a whole lot and he's hitting the ball hard. So I don't think you can really complain about anything he's doing as a hitter. I really like his plate coverage. That's one thing I like. And obviously his defense, that glove is incredibly valuable as well. And more importantly, and I think we mentioned this last year, the energy he brings just being on the field is uh, is pretty great. Ryan Walker, I, I'm just my awkward transition into that. Just looking at the Giants, looking at the guys that they're calling up, the future is now, that kind of idea. Ryan Walker has been the best reliever on the River Cats this year. He's a 27-year-old reliever with the funky delivery. And I, I admit, I did not see him in spring training. I missed it. I, I feel bad because it's like I would have... I would have jumped on the whole, oh, it's 95 mile an hour sinker, 2,500 RPM spin on the slider guys that the Giants love. And this guy, his slider is incredible. But the fact that he's throwing 95, 96 on the hands, it's kind of not fair. So he looks great. Uh, Nice call up. Have you seen Walker? Had you seen Walker or have anything you want to add about him? No, I did not. My only only story about Walker is um, when I was at Rivercats Media Day, he was there and I was trying desperately to think of a couple questions for him. And literally all I could come up with is like the Matt Foley or the, the Chris Farley, like your stuff is really good. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, just like staring at him. I was like, I probably shouldn't do that. So I did not talk to Ryan Walker. We should probably get Roger Munter back on the show here pretty soon. He did have an interview with Patrick Bailey on his podcast. There are giants. Go check it out. Also had an interview with Doug. Go check that out as well. Uh, it's a really quick one, but yeah. Uh, Doug, one, one concern I have about Patrick Bailey right now, cause I feel like it's just too early. I like the glove and who knows about the bat right now. And it's not, it's not worth getting all worked up negatively, except for this point, catching him out of the side of my eye a couple of times this past weekend. I have to say, that he his face falls somewhere on the AJ Przinsky spectrum. I'm sorry to bring this up, but there's like a 20% similarity in their faces, and it was a little bum. It was bumming me out. Just putting that out you, there. You know, I didn't think of it, but he did remind me of someone. And just now that you bring it up, yeah, um, that that is concern concerning. Uh, we're looking into it. Yes. Um, One thing I know, Patrick Bailey has a mustache, which is it's a it's a it's a dirtbag mustache. I appreciate that. And looking at the images of AJ Przinsky, someone's going to probably at me immediately. I could not find one where he had a mustache that didn't look embarrassing. So at least in that sense, you know what I mean? He's he's reclaiming that facial type, Patrick Bailey. So uh, reclaiming. Maybe that's the bad transit. Another bad transition. Oh, usually I'm so good at these. No, I'm not. Uh, this week I want to also talk about the athletic interview that Andrew Baggerly had with Franzidi last week, and you know it was right before Patrick Bailey's call up. I think it was the night before, right? And so it's just it was an incredible conversation because it's like Andrew Baggerly listened directly to me. And when I was like, we know the Giants major league team is what it is and they're not going anywhere until the player development pipeline starts producing prospects. Why isn't that the only thing they're asked about? And the entire premise of the article that Andrew Bagley states up front is we know what the team is. So let's focus on the player development pipeline. Uh, So, Doug, what was your favorite section? Let's talk about it. Well, I mean, first off, obviously, this means that Bagley follows you on a secret account 
mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So he's. I think it's just his I'm main account. Probably. <laughs> oh, does he actually follow you? I think he does what I do for some people I don't want to follow, but whose tweets I sometimes appreciate where I'll just search their name and I'll just go to their account and maybe I'll go through their timeline. Because he's it, when we were all fired from McCovey Chronicles, he did say yeah. he gave us a shout out. And he mentioned my account, but, you know, without yeah. tagging me. And so like so he's aware. So that's all. <laughs> he, so he, he used to follow me. Then at some point he unfollowed me. Yeah, I'm still just offended. too much. Yeah, just too much. My treats were too good for him. We'll say. <laughs> no, I get it. I'm a lot. It's fine, Doug. Doug, um, though, I don't get it. <laughs> anyway, um, so I thought the most interesting part was when they really got into sort of the meat of uh, hitter development, because that's the main question, right? Like, why haven't the Giants developed an outfielder, an all-star outfielder in my lifetime? Um, <laughs> Which is not short at this point. People don't know this, but Doug's actually fifty-three. So <laughs> I am I am six hundred and ten years old. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm not older than Willie Mays, obviously. So what they you know they're talking about sort of the developing hitters, and one of the things that Bagley kind of was like, so are you moving away from the cookie cutter launch angle, make every hitter do X Y Z approach? And Farhan said, um, you know, he, he said, you know, we don't really do that. And then, he, you know, there's more words. But he said, I actually addressed a lot of position players while we were in Arizona. And my message to them was, if somebody is advising you to sell out for more power, even at the expense of more swing and miss, you're getting bad advice. Because we want at-bat quality. We want good swing decisions. We want guys who control the zone. And we want guys who put the ball in play. Which is interesting because I didn't know they wanted that. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> It felt like they were just on like the driveline train of get uh, swing hard, launch angle, hit dingers. And so it's it's sort of good to see because one of the things that um, that I remember at the World Series here is, is they had a bunch of different kinds of hitters. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously all of them were anchored by Buster Posey, the like platonic ideal of a baseball player. So, you know, who, he could do anything, but you had sort of the dinger strikeout guys like Pat Burrell and Mike, Michael Morse. You had the, like the fast guy, you had Andres Torres, you had Pagan, you had Blanco. You had sort of the slap hitter, um, the, I mean, not quite slap hitter, but like the doubles power guy, right? Freddie Sanchez, Marco Scudero, Joe Panic, And you had, uh, you had the, like the, the wild swingers. The, like Hunter Pence and Pablo Sandoval. And that makes it hard to attack a lineup when you have all these different kinds of guys. And I think that's something that they've gotten away from because Sandoval never really controlled the strike zone, right? He was good because he didn't have to do that because you could throw him a, a ball a foot outside and he might slap it down the line for a double. And you'd be like, what the hell? Like, how dare you? Even showing that you can get to those pitches can change the approach because you're like, ah, oh, if he can cover that part, I might, I can't throw it there necessarily or get too fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Keep going. But yeah. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, it's one of those things that I think it's good to see them talking about getting away from a cookie cutter approach because I think they kind of had that in 2021 and it worked and they stuck with it last year and it didn't. And that's a, I think that's a really strong reaction. And it also probably has to do with the rule changes with uh, the, the, that they can't shift the second baseman in the short right field anymore, where 
a lefty can hit like a normal lefty. And so he's not disincentivized from doing that. So I think it's good to see. I think it's more entertaining. And I think we've seen some pretty good results with that over the last couple of weeks. To me, the the most important part of the interview was Baggerly asking this question about diversity, basically saying, you know, was all this sort of constructed, you know, the type of hitter you are kind of talking about only exists in, in like Juan Soto. And if you could have Juan Soto, you would, but you don't. In fact, you have a bunch of white dudes. Is am I am I rounding it up to basically what he's saying? And he's like, how do you deal with the fact that you're what you're looking for, or what you've gone after, has effectively resulted in a, a, a non-diverse roster with very few exceptions? Uh, is that was that is that a fair summation? I mean, go read the article if you want more details, everybody. But do I have it basically right? I mean, kind of. I mean, he was sort of using diversity as a lead-in to, um, to. It's a lot more likely that a white player will be the kind of hitter the Giants say they want, and so you know, he's he says there in one of his questions. I was careful to phrase that question as being drawn to draft players with the data that demonstrate those skills, because obviously we don't want to believe in contribute to stereotypes. Juan Soto might be the major league hitter who best represents the offensive profile that you value. He just wasn't able to generate three years of college data and a summer on the Cape to demonstrate those skills. So, I mean, it's not so much, to, to, yeah, which is kind of funny. Yes. Uh, so it's not diversity, like for the sake of diversity, but if you're a, for the, it's not like racial diversity for the sake of diversity, but a diversity in skill types would kind of naturally follow from a diversity of, of origins for the player. I think it was an important question. I know some of the commenters below, everyone always has to sound off, but I'm sometimes I do like to sample just in terms of like, I'm sure this is not an uncommon opinion that there was some sort of gotcha element to it or that. And Andrew Baggerly actually in the comments address gets into all this and kind of deals with it and acknowledges that it was kind of maybe an inelegant way of asking the question. But I think it's a fair question to ask that if you're analyzing what players do all the time and you're even out evaluating your own internal processes, what are the outcomes generating for you sometimes is worth examining. And it is bizarre that other teams and, and I would say in the international pool of baseball players that for some reason, the, the giants are, are pulling from a very particular sample more than anything else. I think it was a pr- very fair line of questioning. I don't even think the wording of his specific question uh, was unfair. And I think it, it's worth asking GMs a lot about this stuff because at the end of the day, it's their choices that, that lead to these outcomes. People might want to say it's, it's the, you know, the players have to perform to some degree too, but they also have to look at what are we identifying? What are we coaching? Right. Because also some element of this is how are we coaching players? How are we getting these players? All that stuff. And if diversity is an important goal, just different skin colors, let's just get, let's get basic, but we can also talk about different backgrounds where people come from. If that's important to you at all. And I understand for some people who just watch baseball games, it's about wins and losses. That's it. I tend to think when you're running an organization there, the best ones have a culture they are building some sort of uh, community in a way where competition is obviously there, but you also have to kind of look at what are the opportunities you're providing? What are your choices leading to for in terms of those opportunities? I just, I don't know. How, how often do we get to see 
these data guys pin down with their own data effectively. <laughs> and, and I don't know, I enjoyed it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't know what, if I appreciate, I don't know if his answer was like, it nailed it, but I don't think that his, that Zaidi's um, not perfect answer is the result of an unfair question, which I think some people who are quick to always defend everything, the, analytics gurus do there are a lot of people like that it's like if the rays want to murder a village of people to get one <laughs> for two innings that's fair game just deal as with long it. as it's cheap yeah. as long yes, as they can right. do it cheaply yes if yeah. it's cheaper to genocide to get two and a half innings <laughs> out of a left-handed reliever that's fair that's what the rays have to do uh but you know so there's those people and then phrasing a reporter asking a question about an effectively stalled player development system with a a, a, a tangibly actively legitimately mostly white you know what i mean like mostly white body of players these are all fair questions so i don't know i i, I like to see uh bay area media sometimes go at them a little bit but it wasn't like a go at it was like a fair question someone reminded me online that i must not have read much chris haft because he used to go after the giants all the time or ask them tough questions and i gotta be honest my recollection of chris haft was that was not the case so i yeah, apologize I, for that what I remember of Chris Haft is that he was very much the like MLB.com guy who would just do the company line. So I don't know who's not remembering Chris Haft correctly here. <laughs> and and I think the question that's being asked, and maybe Chris Haft asks a question like you have one, you've had one black player on the team, and maybe he asked that one, one of those questions, which is a fair question as well. But Baggerly's question was also including, he was speaking to Zaidi and the front office people the way that they demand questions be asked of them. The ones where you get the best answers from these front office people or is when you acknowledge their process that they've told you about and you you reflect it back, not shove it in their face. He was saying like, if you have done this and you've arrived at this, do you think that is an equitable or fair or reasonable or desirable uh, outcome? I don't know. I, thought, I just thought that was a fair question. I liked it. It was great. Um, he also mentioned the pitching was kind of briefly touched on. And I don't know if I liked Zaidi's answer about it. The question was simple. It's pretty basic. Was it a factor that draft prospects could generate any data in 2020 because of the pandemic? With pitchers, you still have measurables like velocity and spin rate. Did you lean into pitching because there might have been just a little more certainty there? I'm just I'm not going to read the whole answer. Again, go go to the athletic, sign up, uh, check it out. But the last line or two is it didn't necessarily inform a strategy like we don't know enough about these position players. So let's just take pitchers. But maybe at some subtle level, it influenced our strategy. I'm not calling bullshit, Doug. I'm okay. just saying. I'm just saying this. It's bullshit. It's as it's when I say it's bullshit. It's like I'm like poker face, a hundred percent, right? Calling bullshit. I'm going to say this is forty percent bullshit in the way that when they said we believe Aaron Judge was negotiating with us in good faith, level like. <laughs> No, it's no, they know, but there is that it's the hope part of it of like, well, maybe it wasn't, but they know. So he knew that is what a guy who makes decisions based on data. That's a hundred percent going to be. A, a, it's not subtle is what I'm saying between last year and the year before with the drafts. 
there's also the sense like the Giants, not sort of accidentally, it just like in 2021, I think the the pandemic had a lot to do with it. And then I do genuinely believe their their thing of like it just kind of worked out that way with 2022 or am I being too forgiving? No, I mean, that, that seems right because at some point you do, you, you do just need to get bodies. Like, you know, in 2021, they're like, they want to be sure or as sure as they can be that they're getting quality guys, right? They don't have data. They're data driven. They can lie about it or, you know, 60% lie about it, but um, that's going to influence them. And it does seem like it's just best player available in 2022 because you don't need to do that two years in a row. They've already kind of filled up the pitching coffers in 2021. You don't want them to overflow and then sort of not know what to do with them. They they put a lot of work into each into each of these guys. They really have to go through and and like go through their mechanics and and break them down and build them back up and do all that if they really expect them to make the major league roster, because that's what they need out of a major leaguer. You know, they need someone who's at the best version of himself doing that with guys who you don't expect to be around, which would be kind of be what it is. If, if you're just taking pitcher after pitcher after pitcher for no reason other than you can, uh, I think that wouldn't make a lot of sense. I think someone would have put that strategy into a spreadsheet and be like, we can't do it if nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um yeah i mean I, I do kind of believe him when he said it was all just best player available in 2022 doug what's something you found interesting about the giants this past week brian i found it interesting that the bullpen wasn't terrible mm. because the bullpen and i'm not sure if all of you have paid a lot of attention has been terrible this year um just woof Yeah. Woof. So they come in and um, I want to just shout out Jacob Judas, who had been pretty bad and had an excellent week. You know, Scott Alexander, shutdown guy. Like we know about Tyler Rogers. He's been good all year. Um, Duvall was a little shaky, but that's because he was working on his third straight day. You know, that'll there'll be some shakiness there. Taylor Rogers getting tons of strikeouts. John Brebbia is looking very good. He wants me to take back my prediction that he'll be the one who falls apart this year. And I won't do it. I won't do it, John. <laughs> you just, you're just going to have to keep proving it to me. So I'm not saying I necessarily trust them all going forward, but for the week, like you, you really can't complain about what any of them did other than Sean Manaya, And we've done plenty of complaining about Sean Manaya this year. One thing I noticed about Brebbia, maybe, is that don't pitch him every day. Give him a couple of days in between. That seems to be where he's able to have good, you know, consecutive appearances. Not the reason they have John Brebbia on the roster, I guess, though, right? So, <laughs> guy yeah, I mean, I think I think it's fair. Don't don't brower him. Like, yeah. just let him be a normal reliever. Like maybe you can get away with it with Tyler Rogers because yes, you know, he's such a unique reliever. He doesn't rely on velocity. You know, we, I think we talked about it last week. We were like, yeah, sinker ballers, they get more movement when they're tired. Just throw them every day. Why not? <laughs> Who cares? But Brebby is like a regular reliever. He needs, he's relies on throwing 95, like consistently with his fastball. 
He just needs the rest to make that happen. But he also pitched yesterday, and he's going to pitch today too. He's going to start today. So that's fun. Well, one thing I found interesting was that Mitch Haniger might might actually be rising from the dead. <laughs> How interesting does anyone else find that? I don't know. But he had, what, six hits this, this week in uh, 20 plate appearances? So, so good for him because I, I really think he needed to let people know that he was, that he still existed as like a person in the world, as nice as Conforto has started to look more and more, you know, the fact that Hanniger was not giving them anything for the most part, as much as that home run before they went to Arizona was something to build off of, maybe this week is something for Hanniger to start to build off of, you know, before he gets injured. between injuries that's right he'll be able to build a little bit yeah yeah Hanniger started to look good it's been it's been nice to see considering how rough he was for a while yeah and you know they weren't like big they weren't like big hits like he didn't hit the ball particularly hard but sometimes that's how you get a like you start to build confidence you know some jam shots or some flares here and there like it, it, it's, he was putting good swings on they weren't like accidental hits entirely they were just finding spaces but guess what hitting for confidence for a baseball player is i think it's like 75% of how they're able to do anything so right anything else logan webb is completely back and that's nice uh are he, we sure about his back getting... <laughs> no but uh but he's back but not as healthy he's (laughs) back yeah it's weird that they're like well you know we we might give him an mri we might not i'm like just what what that's just yeah play just kind of play it by ear see if you need to give him an mri or something um but he's you know he had uh he was he, he was great against the marlins on saturday didn't work out for the team but he got a ton of ground balls and that's that's what you want to see. Um, he he looked like his old self. I think his ERA is now in the twos. So uh, yes, two ninety one ERA. So I mean, he's back to being the guy that he was over the last couple of years, which is great to see. He had a couple, you know, his first few starts were a little bit rough, and then his next couple, he maybe got left in a batter or two too long, which hurt his ERA. But now he, I I feel pretty good. Uh, I feel very good about it and I'm happy that he's back and I hope his back stays. I don't think giants Croncast We were ever worried about Logan. No. So one, one last thing I'm got to say is interesting. I found it very interesting that how well the giants have responded to us negging them. <laughs> you mentioned Jacob Junis. He, we've, we've talked to, we've talked mess about him. We've talked mess about Scott Alexander talk mess about the giants and their farm system and boom bang bam bam all of them just this week you know uh, our podcast timed with uh grant's statement and all that stuff uh grant wrote an article was that last week yeah heading into the start of the series where the giants were like in the tank and everyone was like what's going on with them uh, there should be a little bit better than this and they're not and the giants took that they they read all of it doug they listened to all of it and they're like yeah, I am slightly better than garbage. I'm going to be better. So I just find it interesting that negging is working with them, at least right now. They'll make the adjustment, then we'll have to adjust. So we'll figure it out. But uh, that's, that's, 
Yeah, if there's one thing I know about Lamont Wade Jr., it's that he listens to tons of Giants uh, podcasts and that he reads nothing but Giant, but articles about the Giants. Well, we like Lamont Wade Jr. He's doing nothing but We do, but he's stuff. passing it on to everyone. Ah, that's, that's it. Like, oh. he, see, he can read it and like listen to it because I was like, yeah, great year, Lamont. Well, you know, my, Mitch Hanniger is then like, oh, that's going to be pretty rough. And he's like, man, they're being hard on you. And Mitch Hanniger is like, what? <laughs> what? He's he's the only one on the team that knows how to grab audio clips on his phone and then put it in the group text. And like yeah. none of the other players are young enough to understand how to do any of that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey, Brian, what's something the Giants did this week that you find concerning? Hmm. Uh, maybe this will be both of ours, especially since our time is coming up here. Brandon Crawford. <laughs> yeah. yeah what did the Giants do with Brandon Crawford? I don't know. They ran him out there. I don't. It's not looking good for for the big fella. But uh, Brandon Crawford, I will say this: uh, his his swing decisions don't look terrible. You know, he he's he he doesn't look any worse in that regard. But man, he cannot hit the ball. His defense seems fine. And I think it needs to probably be better than fine to overcome the fact that he's hitting like 150 or thereabouts. Uh, after Sunday's game, he is down to 161. He has a 542 OPS. He did have a walk along with the strikeout, but another 0 for 3. And I don't know. I'm going to say I'm bullish that he's going to have a nice two weeks in him at some point. But... I could be wrong, and I'm concerned. It's hard to watch him at the plate. I, th- I mean, I think he is still good out there on defense, but you need more offensively. And right now, Brian Crawford isn't providing it. And it's it's a little bit hard to watch because we've seen him for a while. And, uh, you know, Giants fans are very attached to Brian Crawford for good reason. Uh, and this is... It does feel like the end. So take that, nagging. <laughs> well, my Wade Jr. is already on it. He's clipping it. <laughs> That's right. He's sending it. I, I mean, look. We, call, look at what these jokers are saying about you. <laughs> Who are these guys? Uh, well, listen, Brandon Crawford, I was your age once. And let me tell you. It's <laughs> sometimes it's okay if things are over. No, but I mean, we all kind of figured heading into this year that this was it regardless that he could go, you know, go off in a blaze of glory. He could peter out. I mean, I don't think they're going to cut him. Knock on no. wood, but <laughs> you know, it could get bad. There's a version where it gets bad enough that by August, he's like, that's it. And maybe like we'll get him in the first weekend of September and then that's it. That's that's happened in baseball before. But there's just a part of me that's like, ah, I feel like we've all counted Brandon Crawford out every other year of his career. Right. <laughs> and he's done enough at some point in each of them to make it, oh, okay. Like even last year, he come he came off the IL at the end and it was like, oh, Brandon Crawford. Oh, he's back. I, I think we're still good for one of those spurts. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Uh, I hope so. I, I will say, you mentioned his swing decisions. His swing decisions per fan graphs have not been good this year. So Okay, well then see, this is why I need the, the eye test. Who's leading the team in swing decisions? <laughs> this is why I need the numbers. <laughs> I, I, okay, yeah. just his are not good. Got it. All right. 
Maybe yeah, I'll delete that part out, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs> is this O swing and O no swing? Is that where is that where it's bad? exactly? So, yeah, I see. It's, there we go. He's swinging at like forty percent of the pitches that are coming in. They're out of the zone. Depending on which one you use on Fangraphs, it's either thirty nine percent or thirty eight percent. It's not what you want. It's not what you want. And then the pitches in the zone, he's swinging at either seventy four or seventy one percent. And he's making less contact. Well, that uh, I do. Okay, that yeah, I, I mean. <laughs> but it's 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 not good. So he's swinging at everything and he's missing everything. There we go. He's he's Joey barting it at the plate. He's Ooh. actually swinging at less pitches in the zone than he than he has in any year since 2014. Okay, so he's a shambles. But I, <laughs> I st- my larger point still remains. Plenty of times he's been down for the count and he's been able to yeah. get back up. No, that's true. And if and if Rocky Balboa, that movie has taught me anything, it's that a sixty-year-old man could somehow survive a title fight against the champion of the world, heavyweight champion of the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this case, is Major League Baseball, and Brandon Crawford is the sixty-year-old man. In case that was unclear. All right, Doug, where can people find your work? We we have stopped promoting uh, ourselves. <laughs> I am at giantsdoug.substack.com where I write twice a week about the San Francisco Giants, a baseball club in Major League Baseball. And uh, we're on Fans First Sports Network. Fans First SN is where you can find them on Twitter at Fans First SN. And we're having a listener mailbag at the end of the month. I just realized there's going to be a traffic jam between our bullpen trust power rankings and a mailbag. Maybe it'll be the same episode. I don't know. Send us your questions at Giants Croncast on Twitter. We've already gotten a couple, which is which are great. Send us some more. We'll have a mailbag. So thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. Until then, go Giants! Go Giants!